If you've got your Bibles, turn me to Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. I don't know that I've ever preached out of Zephaniah before. It's fun to say. Say it with me, Zephaniah. Zephaniah. It sort of has a ring to it. But it has some great things in this, in this book and in this chapter 3 that I think that, um, that we need to hear today, that I think that we need to adhere to. I think that we have choices as far as being God's people on how we choose to worship God, right? You, when you come to church this morning, you choose how you want to worship God. You can sit in your seat and do nothing. You can stand up and lift your hands. You can cry out. You can sing praises. You can do whatever. There's a choice that you've got to make. I want to talk to you on this. I've just, I've just entitled this message, Change the Picture. There's even times in our life that we have to do that. We have to change the picture of how we view things and how we see things and then how we relate to certain things. And so I want you to go to Zephaniah chapter 3. And right before we read that, I want to, uh, since, I've, since I've never really preached out of this, I, I just want to tell you that Zephaniah, they say, was probably the most, the, the great, great grandchild of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. And just sort of laying a groundwork here for you. Uh, Zephaniah ministered during the reign of King Josiah. Many of you have heard of and read about King Josiah, who was a godly man. As uh, with most prophets, his message focuses on the current events of Israel of that day. But it also has a secondary uh, meaning, and that is anticipating the life of Christ. It, it speaks prophetically concerning the life of Christ. And Zephaniah's attention, when he, when he began to speak in this book, was a lot, uh, he spoke a lot about a lot of things, but he also spoke about political and religious leaders of the nation of that day. That's who his message uh, was to. And probably more so than any other prophet, uh, strongly and powerfully he communicated the word of God uh, that, uh, that really dealt with, with evil people of his day. And I only say that to say that we're living in a day where we have evil people living among us. We all know that. We have, we have a nation that needs to be restored today. We have people that needs to, that needs to change their thought process to some extent. But, but Zephaniah dealt with, these, with the evil people or judgment of that day and, and that the righteous will be rewarded and when we know that to be so. And when we look at, at, look at the chapter 3, we pick up here understanding that, uh, that God is more than just a creator. And I know that you know that. We, we talk a lot about God being our creator. We need to worship Him. But He's more than just a creator. He is a, he's the Lord God who's in the midst of us today. He's loving us. He's caring for us. He's protecting us. He's defending us. He's indwelling within us. That's the reason that we're able to cry out, He's a great God today. Because of what He means to us. He's the one that died so that we might have life and that we might have it in, in more abundant or a super abundant life. And, there, and this is really no less true for the church today than it was for Israel in Zephaniah's day. It's no more true for Israel than it is for the church today of what we have to go through today. Because God's word for the people of Zephaniah's day was sure, it was real, and it's also sure and real for you and I today. We need to adhere to the word of God today. Somebody say amen. In other words, we need to listen to the Word of God. We need to obey the Word of God. We need to follow the Word of God. God is not only in the midst of, of us today, but He's, a, but He's an almighty God. And, and, and as much as He is powerful and mighty to save His people, not only 
not only from their enemies without and their fears and all of those kind of things, but also from the curse of sin and also from the curse of death that's been placed on our life. He's the provision of our need. He's the provision of our need. He's our protector. He's our defender. And He is our triumphant Savior today. Amen. He was mighty to save us. So I want you to look with me in Zephaniah chapter 3. Look it down at verse number 9. Verse number 9 is where we're going to start in Zephaniah. Zephaniah is talking here about a faithful remnant that's left. Verse 9 says, For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language, that they may call on the name of the Lord to serve Him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. In that day you shall not be shamed for any of your deeds in which you transgress against me. For then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. I will leave in your midst a meek and a humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness no less, uh, no, and speak no lies, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. For they shall feed their flocks and lie down. No one shall make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all of your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Now I want you to skip down to verse number 17. The Bible says, The Lord your God, in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Hallelujah. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will rejoice over you with singing. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you think that God, when we come before His presence or when we come together as His people, do you think that God wants a funeral celebration when you show up for worship or do he, does He really want a celebration to take place? I sort of think that God sort of wants a celebration to take place. I sort of think that he wants this to happen just like we've done this morning, that he wants us to worship him. He wants us to get out of ourselves, so to speak, and forget about all the stuff that we had to go through during the week, all those difficult times, all those lonely times, all those difficult decisions. And I really think that he really wants us to let everything down, Brother Reigns, and let's just begin to worship him. One of the reasons that I believe that is in Psalms chapter 5, verse 11, the Bible says, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Not only that, but in Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, the Bible says, You have made or you will make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The Bible says in Psalms 33, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. When you go on down in chapter 66, verse 1, it says, shout with joy to God all of the earth. The Bible says in chapter 81, verse 1, sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of, I, of Jacob. And then in Psalms 95, in verse 1, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And so that's just a little bit of scripture this morning. That's just a small example because if 
I was to take the time this morning to read to you all the instruction that the Bible has to give us concerning clapping and shouting and singing and playing and playing music instruments and all of these things, this message would take several hours to complete. And just to add balance, let's look in the New Testament this morning of what the New Testament says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. The Bible says, be joyful always. Be joyful always. What are you talking about, pastor? In the midst of my, in my difficulty, I'm supposed to have joy? That's what the Bible says. In the midst of my pain and my agony, am I supposed to have joy? That's what the Bible says. Be joyful always. It goes on to say, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this just sort of blowing my mind a little bit. You don't know what I've gone through this past week. You don't know all the stuff that I've had to deal with. You don't know how tired I am today, Pastor. You don't understand all the junk that the devil has been, has been throwing at me this week. But the Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's his will for you. And so does the Bible tell us that God wants to treat us bad? I don't read that anywhere. No. Does the Bible say that God wants us to have droopy faces when we come to church? I don't read that anywhere. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands, right? Make a joyful noise. The spread joylessness as if there's no good news about Christ? No, that's not what the Bible tells us. But the Bible says be joyful always and to pray continually. Give thanks always unto the Lord God Almighty for this is God's will. Many folk want to find God's will for the life. Well, that's the scripture right there. That's the will for God in your life. What is it, pastor? Be joyful. What's God's will for my life? Pray continually. What's God's will for my life? Give thanks in all circumstances. What's God's will for my life? Because this is, the Bible says, the will of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not speaking here. Just me. These are not my words. Matter of fact, you go into Philippians chapter 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, what? I say rejoice. It's sort of funny how he said that because it's almost like we didn't get it the first time. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't you like it when our little kids is growing up and they reach that age of, huh? You know what I'm talking about? Anything you say, huh? Or they'll get to that age of what? You'll say something, what? Say it again, what? Say it again, huh? And you repeat yourself a thousand times to this child. Sometimes us old folk get that way. And I, and I said us old folk. Our hearing gets a little off sometimes. And we have to say what? And we have to say huh? And all of that. But the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and he'll guard your mind in 
Christ Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. He's going to guard your mind in Christ Jesus. He's going to guard my mind from the enemy's attack every day. He's going to guard my thoughts from the enemy brings across. Do you understand that you can be down praying to the Lord in your prayer time and the enemy will put stuff across your mind and you'll think where in the world did that come from? How in the world did I think about that? What in the world am I thinking? I'm supposed to be praying. That's the enemy trying to distract you. But the Bible says he will guard your heart and he'll guard your mind in Christ Jesus. And when you look at that scripture once again, we receive this instruction to get into the celebration of God and to be a complete in our lives. So how do I do this celebration? Especially given the fact, Pastor, that sometimes life really has a way to get me down. How, how do I get in this mode? How do I get in this mode? Sometimes it's just blah. Sometimes it's just junk. Well, as my title says, sometimes you have a responsibility, and I have the responsibility. We've got to change the picture. We've got to change the picture. Most guys are good at this. I wish I'd have set this up this morning and had it working, but should have set a TV up here on the stage this morning and a recliner and a TV remote. Y'all know where I'm going, right? I don't know. You know, when I sit down in the living room and I get to watching TV, I'll watch five or six shows at one time. Now, what I mean by that, I flip the channel. When the commercial shows up on that show, I'll go to something else. Commercial shows up on that show, I'll go to something else. Commercial shows up on that one, I'll flip four or five channels. Most guys were good at flipping the channel and changing the picture. And in my life, in your life, there's moments, Brother Wendell, I've got to change the picture in my life because I don't like what, it, what, it's, what it's showing me. Hello, somebody. Now, I've got to be careful not going where my mind wants to take me this morning. But there's moments I've got to change what's going on in my life to keep me focused on what God wants to show me. Because if I can't stay focused, boy, boy how many remembers growing up with a television that you had to go outside on the porch and twist the antenna. Anybody remember that? Now, some of you young, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Y'all dialed into satellite TV and all that stuff. But when I was growing up, we had an antenna out on the front porch. And every now and then, the show would get a little fuzzy. Every now and then, it would get out of, it would be blurry. And it would get out of focus. And dad or my grandparents would say, go out on the front porch and turn the antenna. Leave the front door open, though, so I can hear me when I holler at you. And say, stop. Right? You remember that? We go out and we start turning that antenna. No, it ain't good there. Keep turning. No, it ain't good there. And sometimes you'd make a complete revolution here. You'd make a complete circle. And the still, the TV is not good. But every now and then, you'd get right in that spot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop right there. Thought about that sometimes, and that's just like it is with our life. The problem is we keep spinning around, and we don't stop. Sometimes we keep spinning around, and we keep going back to the same old, same old, the same station, the same fuzzy station in our life, and we wonder why aren't things getting better. We still go back to that same stinking thinking, and our life doesn't seem to get any better. We keep going back to that same old fuzzy, what we're looking at here, and, and I'm not sure what I need to do here, and I'm not sure what I need to do there, and God can't speak to me through those things. But when I can focus my life and I can change the picture of my life, God can touch me then, amen. Yeah. 
There's a song that some of you may have heard and you may have listened to on the radio even today, written by Benny Hester. It's a song that says, He ran to me. The song goes like this. He says, Almighty God, the great I am. He's an immovable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, commanding king of kings, a mighty conqueror, and the only time, the only time I ever seen him run was when he run to me. He took me in his arms. He held his head to my chest. He said, My son's come home again. He lifted my face. Face, he wiped the tears from my eyes. With forgiveness in his voice, he said, Son, do you know I still love you? And he caught me by surprise when he ran to me. Can I tell somebody here today that the Lord Jesus Christ is willing to run to you today? He's willing to run and change the picture in your life today to put you on a path, to refocus your thinking, to refocus your eyesight, to refocus who you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus today. Hallelujah. You go down in the bridge of that song. He said, I was so ashamed all alone and so far away. But all I know is he's been waiting for the day. I saw him run to me. He took me in his arms and held my head to my chest and said, my son's come home again. Lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes. With forgiveness in his voice, I felt his love for me again. He ran to me. He took me in his arms. And on and on we could go with that. Here's a God here. Here's a God who runs to us. Here's a God who runs to us. Look at Jesus. It was Jesus who told us the story in Luke chapter 1 and uh, Luke chapter 15 about the lost sheep. It was him who told us that story. Didn't he say to leave the 99 and go after the one? To leave them and go after them today. That would behoove you and I as God's people today. That we will look across our congregation and people, a family and friends that we may know that's no longer serving Christ anymore. Our job is to go after them. Our job is to go after them and try our best to, to speak positive things in their life. To try our best to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. To try our best to tell them, why are you away from God? Why are you not coming to church anymore? You need to come back home, amen. To go, he told us about that. He told us about the lost coin. He told us about the lost son. All of those were stories. And when the search was a story about a search for a precious item that was lost. But look here, when the items was found, you remember this. You remember this in Scripture. When the items was found, the Bible says there was a celebration going on. There was joy in the house. There was sort of like a blowout party that was taking place. Jesus here gives us a picture that God is just running for us. He's running for us. He's coming to find you and I. And when he finds us, joy in the house is taken over. Amen. Thank God for that. When you look in the Old Testament, look again at this prophecy. Here's a picture of how God really feels in Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17. I read to you said the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save you. It says he will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. And this is the part I like. He will rejoice over you with singing. Have you ever considered God a singer? He will rejoice over you with singing. Change the picture that you have with God. God is always singing over you. Even in the midst of my droopy face. Even in the midst of my unclarity. Even in the midst of my picture being out of focus, he's still singing over me. He is with us. He's mighty to say. He takes great delight in me. Everybody put your hands right here. In me. In me. In you. 
He takes great delight in you. He takes great delight in us. If it's a picture of a distant father, if it's a picture of an unre- uh, uninvolved individual, uncaring or abusive who seem to have set his sights on you and make sure that you stay miserable, that you're bored so much that sometimes we just want to end our life, you've got to change the picture in your mindset because there is a God who loves you today and has sent his son to find you and bring you home that he may sing over you and run to you giving you and delivering you the word and his love in your life he sings over you now karen's not here she's had to stay home with her mom but don't tell her i said this i long for the day such so as i picture in my mind that there'll come a day we'll be long, married long enough that there'll come a day that i'll be laying on the couch relaxing and she'll bring grapes and, she, and she'll said, raise up baby let me lay, lay your head in my lap and I'll say okay and she begins to feed grapes to me while I lay there and I, I picture that it's not happened yet but I picture it sometimes we've got to confess things we've got to see things as if they're not and uh, prophetically today, I'm, I'm believing this is going to happen. But my Bible said that Jesus, God, wants to sing over me. Can you get this picture in your mind? Can you get it in your mind that he loves you that much? He wants to sing over you. He's a mighty God to save. He's a mighty God to serve. We don't have time to bellyache around here. Why? Because God is my God. He is my Savior. Whatever I'm bellyaching about, He's got control of. He can take care of this morning. Amen. And He watches over me. He'll quiet me with His love. He'll rejoice over me. How do I know that this morning? He died. That's what the cross does. He died for us. He died for you. He died for me. And so we've got to change the picture. Matter of fact, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says we've got to set our minds on things above, not on the earthly things, but on things above. And so we've got to change the picture in our mind. And when we begin to do that, we'll begin to meditate on those heavenly things that he shows us. We begin to meditate on those things about God singing over us. It'll dominate our thoughts. We'll no longer have a droopy face. We'll no longer be disgusted and wore out and and broke and tired and all these things because we understand what God thinks about us. So that nothing, we we get to the place that nothing is gonna nothing is gonna corrupt, nothing is gonna enter in. If anything corrupt does enter in, it, it, you know we have to fess those things up. It's time to clean up with God, who is mighty to save us. We got to take great delight in going back to the Father's house. We got to picture this God who is jumping up and down because we've come home, jumping up and down because we've come home. Let the picture of heaven be in you, not on the junk that tries to lead us in the directions we don't need to go. Got to change the picture. The other thing I found out we've got to do is we've got to, when God is in our hearts and God is moving, and don't take this wrong, we've got to live our life out loud. I don't mean you need to be obnoxious. That's not what I'm talking about. You ever met somebody obnoxious? You know what that is, right? You don't want to be around them because they're just obnoxious. Well, we've got to live our life out loud. In other words, what I'm talking about here is we've got to shout the praise of God wherever we are. You can shout the praise and not be obnoxious. Yes, you can. 
You can shout the praise. Matter of fact, do you know that you can go to Walmart and talk about God and shout his praise while you're standing in line? Yes, you can. I've done it. You have to. You can shout the praise of God in your car. You can shout the praise. Matter of fact, somebody, I can't remember who it was, put on put online the other day that, that I don't want to get away from God in my devotion, in my prayer this morning because he's so thick in my prayer time this morning. When we're talking about shouting our praise unto God, how many of you shout your praise unto the Lord? Let me put it this way. How many of you shout at your kids' ball games? Well, yeah, we do. That's our, that's our child up there. We're going to shout at the ball game. Sometimes... You know, parents sometimes has a way of getting so involved in a game that they become a distraction in the game. I don't mean that in a bad way. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been to these little league ball games yourself. Sometimes, you, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going there sometimes thinking, well, can't the kids just have fun? You know, mom and daddy and the coach out there, they're fussing with one another. They get so into it. But sometimes we get, we get so loud, sometimes it begins to be a, distra a distraction instead of an encourager for the rest of the team. Encourage for the rest of the scene. But when you shout unto God in praise, He knows and understands our praise. He knows that we're not angry with Him or just making a mockery of Him, but we're delirious with joy as we shout our praise with God. We're responding to God. My son's come home again. That God would love and forgive and welcome me. There's no way this God can take me where I am and forgive me, but yet He does. And He shouts over me and He sings over me. It's shouting and sings over me. Isn't that something to celebrate about this morning? We have a God that loves us today. It's not a crazy thing. It's not an unchristian thing to do to live out loud for God. For God lives out loud for us, does he not? Yes, he does. How loud is that love for God that we have this morning? The Bible says nothing. The Bible tells us that there's nothing that ought to be able to separate us from the love of God. That's a powerful scripture right there. Listen to me, church. That's a powerful scripture. We preached about it a lot, but sometimes I, I, I think even I take it for granted sometimes. There is nothing that ought to be able to separate me from the love of God. My feelings, hello, my hurts, nothing should be able to separate me from the love of God. Even though that may be so, nothing ought to be able to separate me from the love of God. My desires, my wants, my wishes, nothing ought to be able to separate me from the love of God. God sees right through you today. He knows you. He sees right through you. He sees right through your intentions and your hidden motives. And when we come with joy before Him, in fact, it may have said that that's how they've come to know God, through the joyous praise of His people. Praises of His people. Their songs of joy cause them lift up their voice when they come to church. I've heard, and you have too, many testimonies of how God even used songs to draw people to Him. Yeah, songs, songs are wonderful. They live out loud for God. Music is wonderful because it leads us into the presence of God. David was a worshiper. We know that. Many, many people in the Bible work, but David was a worshiper. He, was a, he, was a, he played skillfully. There were, there were certain ways that David had to conduct his, his music ministry if you will. I don't have time to go into that this morning. But he understood how important a song was. So we've got to change the picture. Not only that, we've got to see God for who He is. We've got to see God for who He is and live out loud for Him. The other thing that I just got through saying is we've got to come with our heart before the Lord. We've got to come with our heart before the Lord. 
You come before the Lord with your whole heart. I'm under the opinion that when you do that, you're going to shout your praise. When you come before the Lord with your whole heart, you will shout your praise unto the Lord. Why? Because of what he's done for you. Because of how he's blessed you. Something just sort of wells up on the inside of you. Have you ever watched somebody worship God? And what I mean by that, have you ever saw somebody come down to the altar? And let's just, let's just say that this person typically is a, is a shy person. Doesn't talk very much, but God gets all over them. And you begin to see something welling up on the inside of them that they can't contain. It's, I, I love watching people do that. I love watching people in worship. Because I like Brother Roger to see that well up on the inside. And almost when, they, when it gets up here to this point. Now I'm just giving you an example. I don't know if that's exactly what happens, but it just, it looks, that, it just looks that way to me. When it gets up here where, where you have a mouth to let it out, they, sometimes people try to close it up and their whole re- face gets red. And it looks like their whole head's fixing to pop, fixing to explode because they can't let it out. And when they finally just let out their praise unto the Lord, how wonderful that looks and how released that they are when they worship. You know, sometimes some of us that's been in the way for a long time, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? In the way a long time. We, we need to get back to that place where we release our praise and release our worship unto the Lord. Why? Because of how he's blessed us. He's touched us. Just wells up. Can I, can I, can I let you know something that lip syncing, y'all know what lip syncing is. It's, it's just moving your mouth to the words of another song. But lip syncing in worship is not worship. It's not worship. It's not praise to God. We've got to speak forth our praise. Speak forth our praise. Matter of fact, Mark chapter 7 verse 1 says this. One day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to confront Jesus. In one translation it says they noticed that some of the Jesus' disciples failed to follow the usual ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they've poured water in their hands or cupped hands as required by these ancient traditions. Similarly, they eat nothing uh, bought at the market unless they immerse their hands in water. But this, but, but this, but, but one of these, uh, this is but one of many traditions they've clung to, such as their ceremony of washing cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law ask him, why do you not allow your disciples follow your age-old customs? For they eat first without performing those hand-washing ceremonies. And in verse 6, Jesus says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was prophesying when he said these things about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Amen. Their worship, in other words, was a farce. Their worship was not true. They replaced God's commands with their own God or their own man-made teachings. And you and I, if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. We begin to come to the house of God and we begin to worship Him out of mere tradition. We lift our hands at a certain time. We say amen at a certain time. We shout hallelujah at a certain time. Especially us Pentecostals because we're good at it. Come on somebody. You know we are. And instead of worshiping God with a pure heart, we worship Him with a pure, not a pure, but a man-made tradition. of This is what I've learned growing up. This is what I've learned. Now, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants authentic worship, does he not? Yes, he does. God wants authentic worship. 
that comes from within, not, not religious fluff, not, not following traditions, not going through the motions, are moving their lips while the heart is far away. God wants authentic worship. Just doing the duty is not what God is after. Just doing the church thing is not what God is after. Just doing what I'm supposed to do of lifting up my hands and saying amen is not what God is after. Do you understand that when Jesus Christ comes back after his church, there's going to be a lot of church folks that's left. Does that make sense? That's what the scripture tells us. There'll be a lot of church folks that's come week in and week out, but they're not, they're not they're part of God's family. So he wants authentic worship. I've got to confess, and if you was be honest, you'd confess too, but I'll confess to you this morning. There's times when we get to worship here on Sundays, sometimes my heart is not where it needs to be. Why is that, Pastor? Because I've got a lot of things going on in my mind. I'm thinking about sometimes about why the music ain't happening today like it needs to. Why is the lights not changing when they need to? Why is the scripture doing this when it's not supposed to? Why does the computer keep messing up every week? Why does, the, why does the projector keep going off? You know what I'm talking about? So all these distractions sometimes. And then we know all those things happen in the house of God. We know that. But if we're not careful, we get, we get thinking that all of this stuff takes care of our worship, and it, and it doesn't. Take all of it away, but don't take God away. Take all of it away, but don't take the presence of God away. Yes, it's nice, and yes, it's wonderful, and yes, it adds to worship, but we've got to get to the place where nothing else is there. We still can praise and worship our Lord and Savior. Amen. Why is that family not here that I talked to last week? You know, all kinds of things go through your mind. That's why we've got to come back to Christ uh, because he's that good news. We've got to rejoice in the fact that he loves us and forgives us. We've got to rejoice in the fact that he proclaims to be the one that is our Savior. And he is the one that is our Savior. He's the one that told the thief on the cross, Today, I'll remember you. Today, you'll be with me. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today. As the musicians, if they'll come. I want you to understand that God's accounting book is sometimes can be an auditor's nightmare. What are you talking about, Pastor? I like it that way because when you look at that accounting book of God, it says the debt has been erased. Your debt has been erased. My debt has been erased. All paid up through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't owe anything, but it's because the blood of Jesus Christ. What I've got to do is just serve him. What I've got to do is follow him. And we've got to have our hearts checked by Christ. We've got to have every day that's filled with prayer. Lord, help me, a sinner, this morning. Help us as sinners today. Help us, oh God, as your people today to continually follow after you. You may have heard of this before. But there was a guy who was just beside himself one day because it seemed like, Brother Rod, he couldn't, he couldn't quit sinning. He did He'd, he'd mess up and he'd say, God, forgive me. He'd mess up, God, forgive me. And he began to pray, seriously, he said, God, I want to be perfect. God smiled at him one day and spoke to him and said, Son, if I made you perfect, you wouldn't need me anymore. And really, that's all of us. We know how we are. I don't mean to get personal here and I don't mean to get on anybody's toes this morning, but we know how we are. Because when everything is going right, we don't see the necessity of prayer. When everything is going good, we don't even see the necessity of church. 
When everything is going the way I want it to go, we don't see the necessity of some of the things that we typically see that's important when we're in trouble. But my Bible tells me in Zephaniah here that God loves me so much He wants to sing over me. He wants me to run to Him. He runs to me. He wants to take me in His arms. He wants to lift my head when it's low. He wants to change the picture in my life. He wants to change the picture. So this morning, as they begin to play something softly, how many of you this morning are bogged down with some kind of cloud hanging over you? Is God still singing over you? Do you see God jumping up and down? Or are you upset, are you uptight, having the wrong idea that God wants us to be bored or be set with all kinds of fear and anxieties and all of these things? Or are you and I rejoicing in the Lord today, responding to God's word who sings over us. See, we've got to change the picture from, from time to time. We've got to live out loud from time to time. We've got to come before God with our heart. Why? Simply because we know from this scripture here in verse 17 that God is singing over us today. He's singing over us today. He's singing over us today. He's singing over you. I don't know what you may be going through today, but I know this. I know God cares about you. I don't know everything that you may be dealing with today, but I know this. I know God understands all the things that you're dealing with today. I may not get it sometimes of what maybe other people think and other people may go through, but I know this. I know God cares about me, and I know God cares about you. And in any situation that you find yourself he tells us to be joyful, to be joyful because he's singing over us. I want you to close your eyes real quick this morning. I want you to envision with me one more time as we get ready to close. I want you to envision, just make a, make a picture in your mind of God singing over you. Make a picture in your mind of the Lord jumping up and down because you're there. Make a picture in your mind of, y'all know how it is with holidays when you don't get to see family for all year and they come home for holidays, how joyful we are to see them. How excited we are just to be with them over those next days. How we love being in their presence. And you hate to see them go. That's how God feels about you. That's how he feels about you. He's singing over you today. Father, we ask you right now that in every heart, every life today, Lord, I don't know everything that's going on in every person's heart, but Lord, you do. And if there's anybody here today, oh God, that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anybody here today that has been dealing with a lot of stuff and Lord, they just can't see you singing over them, they don't feel that, they don't understand, God, how your love you want to give them because they've not experienced love themselves. And they can't see it. God, I'm asking you right now that you would break through that barrier, break through that shell that the enemy has placed up in our life and help us, oh God. Help us, oh Lord. Help us, Lord, to see you for who you are and what you feel about us. 
Let us come and return to you. Let us come and give our heart to you. Let us come and surrender unto you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, say, Pastor, I'm lost. I don't know the Lord as my Savior. I need Him today. I want to find Him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm going through all kinds of stuff that you preached about. I'm broken. I'm upset. I'm perplexed about a lot of things that's going on in my life. I have no answers for. I need the Lord to sing over me. I need His love to pour over me, if that's you. I want to ask you to get out of your seat today and come down to this altar. I want to meet you down here and I want to pray with you. You don't have to leave like you came today. You can leave different today. You can leave different than you came in Jesus' name. The Lord's singing over you. The Lord wants to bless you today. The Lord wants to show you His love today. The Lord wants to jump up and down on your behalf today. Because that's who you're serving. That's the God you're serving.